welcome back to the popular show with me, James A. Smith. I'm delighted to welcome back already Reed Wildermuth. Uh, he was on a couple of weeks ago, but I feel that we vibed pretty well. So I'm really happy that you jumped back on the show. I'm very glad to be here again. Uh, we've been putting out so much content covering this Gaza crisis and other related political matters that we've had to start recycling some of these guests. Let me just say, if you want to support our work, if you want a, an independent radical media, consider getting over to patreon.com forward slash the popular pod. We love the patrons we have. We love the podcast community that we have over there. But I've got to say, I've been looking at Michael Tracy over in Tel Aviv. I've been looking at Peter O'Born over on the West Bank and thinking if we had a few more Patreon subscribers, then I too could be out in some kind of hellhole covering uh, these things from the ground. So that is what we would spend it on if you would give us a bit more money. Patreon.com forward slash the popular pod. Every freeloader out there, we value you too. Um, but if you do have a bit of cash, consider buying Reed's book, which is a very fine thing. Here be monsters, how to fight capitalism instead of each other, which is a, a really timely critique and analysis of where the left has been over the past few years, which, as we covered in the previous uh, show, couldn't be more welcome at this moment when actually the left seems to be starting to take some of the advice that you give in uh, the book. Read. how's uh, promoting the book been going so far? Um, well, I'd, I'd love to think they were taking my advice, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they're just, you know, <laughs> taking the what correct advice is... and I wrote the right advice. Uh, this book yeah, comes out so and suddenly the left is uh, is doing the right thing, getting things. <laughs> oh, it's, if only. It's not a coincidence, you know. If only, yeah. Um, so um, I, I was just in London. Um, not was it last weekend? Uh, last weekend or two weekends? Two weekends ago, uh, mm -hmm. for the London Radical Book Fair, and uh, had quite a crowd for for my uh, my event, which was pretty pretty good. Plus, it was also amazing to see uh, you know so many people actually out for the things like that now that covid you know all of that stuff is finished so you can actually go meet in public again and uh it was funny to you know see a lot of uh palestinian flags there and then the next day i was in uh cologne in Köln in germany yes. and uh found myself uh in the middle of a pro-israeli protest and of course uh palestinian or pro-palestinian protests are illegal in germany and in france and it's uh the the police enforce that as they choose, of course. Um, so it was, it was quite interesting to see that, 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 that abrupt change where for a long time it, it felt like the German left was actually you know, pretty strong, the same way with the French. Um, but with, in Britain, they're actually being a, the, the left is actually able to, to push back against any attempts at restricting stuff. It, it was very beautiful to see. Yeah, it yeah, is I'm pretty hopeful. extraordinary pretty extraordinary what's going on in Germany right now. And we're going to be covering that in more detail in, in future shows. I, I actually think it's a real game changer for the political discourse of Germany, the way that um, the, the, the pro-Israel position is back with a vengeance. And even the left seems to be completely wrong footed on how it is supposed to relate to Palestinian liberation in Britain. Meanwhile, where, yeah, on this show, we've been frankly, uncharitable and had seen no cause to be charitable towards um, the left in Britain or indeed the US over the last few years. But um, credit where it's due, it, it is on the right side of things. And I, I got to say solidarity with everybody who was out 
protesting at the weekend. I, I think that if it wasn't for the sheer size of the demonstration uh, in London, which the police say was 300,000, the organisers say was was more like 800,000, uh, if it wasn't for that sheer size, then we would not have seen the kind of about turn that seems to be there in media representations of uh, pro-Palestinian solidarity. Uh, actually, the, the sheer size of it meant that, uh, I've said this before, every normal suburban uh, sort of apolitical person like knows someone, knows an, a, a niece, a cousin or something who's there posting on Instagram, their friends are posting on Instagram, that they were at the protest. So I, I think all, all the sort of domino effect that we're seeing, Suella Braverman, who, you know, if, if the protests were smaller, we could still be seeing her as Home Secretary representing mm. um, any kind of pro-Palestinian solidarity as a kind of race hate. Uh, it's only, the, the only weapon that we have really right now is, uh, is the size of these protests. I'm going to welcome to the stream David Slavic, great to introduce you guys. Uh, the best man is back at the, back at the altar. David Slavic, meet Reed Wildermuth. <laughs> Welcome. It's, a, it's good to have you here. And uh, it's, a, it's always fun when we, we uh, are always balancing the multiple interests we have. We have the interests of uh, solidarity, the interests of global revolution, the uh, global equity, and also getting our children home from daycare. So thank this you for is being patient with me coming in. Hundred percent dad hosted <laughs> podcast, and that means that we can't always be on the stream at the same time. Anyway, that British stuff. I, uh, as soon as we finish recording this, I'm jumping over to Alexander McKay's platform, the Marx Engels Institute, to talk more about the British political situation. So all of our listeners are going to want to hear that as well. But uh, let's talk America. We talked uh, last time. Reed was on the show a little bit about um, American reactions to Israel and the American relationship to Israel, but mainly we're focused on the left and how the Gaza crisis seems to be kind of reversing a lot of the more self-defeating dogmas that the left has lived with and Reid has so expertly chronicled in his book. This time uh, I thought we'd um, get a bit more in the weeds with the American right. Uh, David, the um, the Republican um, nominee hopefuls had, was it the second debate uh, last week? Uh, notably, Donald Trump, the front runner for both the nomination and the presidency, was not present for that. Uh, but nonetheless, was this an interesting event? Yeah, the, it was an interesting um, debate because when you're playing for second place, you're, you know, essentially, this is what we're going, what's going on with the with the debates here is that everyone's playing for second place and it's uh one of those things like why are we here and what are we doing and that goes back to you know the uh general stockworth uh the of deputy you know uh, vice presidential debates some time ago and you know like you just get to this point where what what are these debates really for we have this like exercise of de democratic um uh sort of uh you know, like, uh, it's just really, it's just like a kabuki theater at this point, because we know with the person with the most money and the most, the most juice is going to win anyway. Right. So like 60% of Democrats don't want Biden to run, but he's going to be the nominee and that's what the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be. And you have this situation where a lot of Republicans maybe wouldn't want Donald Trump to win, but they know no one else can win. 
And this is a really difficult situation. And it's, I think, one of those things where we really get to the limits of the the type of democracy that the, the Americans decided to choose. And um, we really... Um, feel, you know, sort of the edges of, of the possible. Uh, we see this with the, the you know, the, the overwhelming support for a ceasefire in a Democratic Party. And there's not a candidate who would support that. I think Rashida yeah. Tlaib should uh, primary uh, Joe Biden. That's my official stance on that. But uh, I think that we're in this really interesting situation where we have debates that don't matter, elections that don't matter, and public opinion that doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, you've so you've got a situation got where the Democratic Party base is pro-ceasefire and increasingly skeptical about Israel, even if older members of that cohort uh, still have that kind of generational commitment uh, to it. But absolutely no representation at the top of the party. And in fact, the, probably the people who believe in Israel most authentically um, are, are at the top of the Democratic Party. Meanwhile, the Republican Party, um, it, it, it was really interesting in those debates seeing the way that pro-Israel positions are artic articulated at the top of the party. Uh, sometimes it seemed to me more authentically than others. And meanwhile, below them, they have a, a base, uh, and I'm going to get read on this in a moment, that has its own extraordinary relationship uh, to Israel. Maybe I could just drop in a couple of um, clips from uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's maybe, I don't know, to me as an outsider, the most interesting uh, uh, candidate to come out of this race for second place. Resign. I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. The so he's sort of talking the language of us and our viewers. We like to hear these names. Uh, it, it's just amazing to hear, like, talking about Tucker and Rogan on the stage. Obviously, some of the most charismatic personalities with a lot of support on the right. But when you're seeing the actual people that the Republican Party is sort of serving up to the public, it's just impossible to imagine that actual kind of embrace of that um, kind of ex presentationally experimental populism that exists in alternative media on the right, uh, but then we get to the subject of Israel. Between you and the candidates we just heard in this issue, on, on what you would tell the Prime Minister? Not in terms of what I would tell the Prime Minister, no. In fact, I would go one step further. The founding vision of Israel was based on the idea that they don't want to depend on anybody else's sympathy or direction in defending themselves. So what I would tell Bibi is that Israel has the right and the responsibility to defend itself. I would tell him to smoke those terrorists on his southern border, and then I'll tell him as President of the United States, I'll be smoking the terrorists on our southern border. That's his responsibility. This is our responsibility. That's how we move forward. But I want to be careful to avoid making the mistakes from the neocon establishment of the past. Corrupt politicians in both parties spent trillions, killed millions, made billions for themselves in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, fighting wars that sent Thousands of our sons and daughters, people my age, to die in wars that did not advance anyone's interests, adding $7 trillion to our national debt. And Joe Biden sold off our foreign policy. Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, got a $5 million bribe from Ukraine. That's why we're sending $200 billion back to that same country. The fact of the matter... So I thought it was pretty artful that uh, he does manage to get the Israel question over 
to this uh, territory of America first, isolationism, this anti-war feeling, wherever that comes from ideologically, we've been pretty sympathetic to that stuff on this show. The more people are anti-war across the political spectrum, uh, uh, the better as far as I'm concerned, whatever their motivations. Uh, but Reid, uh, I mean, what did you make of that? Uh, the, 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 the fact that you, you, you can't say anything against uh, the military industrial complex in the Republican Party without first uh, uh, making the most kind of exaggerated claims for Israel is entitled or indeed encouraged to do. I, uh, I, I don't have a cigarette, otherwise I'd smoke a terrorist like he was suggesting. <laughs> uh, um, no, the, I, I, I found that funny, so I had not actually heard that clip uh, before. Um, it's, it, it's this brilliant pastiche of everything that people accepted about Trump as, you know, I, I think I mentioned this in the last show, maybe I didn't. Um, when I was in London the first time, I was in a taxi and... Uh, when the taxi driver realized that I was American, of course, he wanted to talk about American politics and he was from Pakistan. And he just like, I, and I've had the same experience so many times, like all, all of these immigrants to Europe or to the UK, whenever I talk to them and I tell them I'm an American, they say, hey, will you guys vote for Trump again? Can you get Trump back? Because he actually made the rest of the world okay because he stopped doing all of these foreign wars. So the, the, the fact that this idea is now in those debates and it, yeah. you know, it, it has to be, I, I think I, I think shows that that something radical has changed because of Trump, even though you know, I mean, who knows what even Trump is even doing? I mean, he's not, you know. I mean, he's yeah, he he, he can win absentee, you know. Um, but uh, you know, to the question of like that, you know, so that was a pastiche of both the Christian evangelical, and I don't want to say Christian fundamentalist, uh, and I, I think particularly for anybody who has not like grown up Christian and not been immersed in it, you know, there's, you tend to think of, of fundamentalists as, as, as being like this kind of small sect, but, um, you know, Christian evangelicals in general have been touched by this idea that, that Israel is this sacred thing that has been prophesied. Um, hmm. and, and no matter what, like they want to hear their politicians at least make a note of that. You know, and I, I would say this is not just on the Republican side. We tend to see the, you know, the the religious nature of, of some of that stuff from Republicans. But, uh, you know, the Clintons were Baptists. Baptists are in evangelicals. Like they they had that same milieu. Like they were they were part of that in, that that same atmosphere, that same environment. So they're always kind of speaking a code that you know almost very few even know how to acknowledge. One of the things I think that's very funny is that there's a misperception of sort of Israel's supporters about who supports them and who doesn't support them. There's a, a Canadian academic named God Sad, who is sort of in the, um, I would say, like the Jordan Peterson lane. He's a, he teaches at uh, at uh, uh, Concordia University in Canada. And I always say that Canada is like the number one determinant of like reactionary politics in the United States, you know, like we really do. And I, I, I'm an American, but I live here. Uh, we do export our Canadians. And he said, oh, there's a guy named Roscoe Jethry, you know, or whatever. He's just like, whatever. I, I don't know what kind of uh, 
caricature of America he thinks it is. But when you go to mm-hmm. certain parts of America, the places named Roscoe, I don't know if anyone's named Roscoe anymore. Uh, that sounds like something, you know, from sort of an, a 70s exploitation comedy. Uh, but, you know, I think he means Southern people. And in that instance, I think he's there's a general misunderstanding of like, they think the best people, the most cosmopolitan people are supporting them. But in reality, that's not really their base in the United States. And I, I think that you probably do get that. And I want, I want you to speak to a little more of that. Specifically with, uh, well, I'll say, actually, I grew up with people named Roscoe. Um, <laughs> and, and actually, like the, yeah, the, the county I lived in, I, I grew up in Appalachia in uh, uh, southeast Ohio, right on the West Virginia border. So that that was pretty normal for me. Like I knew people named Roscoe. I knew I knew you know. So when you're talking about a Roscoe, that's more that's more like the the Midwest, uh, not so much the South. Um, I I think you know for the the vast majority of people that I knew when I was living there, and that was that was most of my childhood, and then I've, I had been back a few times. Yeah, they were not very political, politically engaged. But then again, most people are not, you know, in, instead, they're kind of swimming through this like mythology, like this cosmology of like, okay, these are the good things. These are the bad things. These are what we support. This is what we don't. And okay, these politicians are always going to lie, but that said the right thing. So I'm going to, you know, lean that way. Um, but 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 to the question of, of, you know, who who is supporting these things? Like, I, I, I don't, I mean, is anyone like does anyone care about the support anymore like if you look at the uk you know or you know look in france and germany right now as well like the you know the government is completely contrary to what these mass protests are saying but they don't care and i think that's also somewhat that has kind of happened in the united states but what's happening with the um should we talk about christian zionism right now or or i mean maybe that would help especially for the listeners who aren't, aren't yeah, aware please, of please, kind please. of the, the full fabric of it um so and, and it's funny it's it's really amusing to me i was on the isle of patmos in uh june of this year which is where the book of revelation was written now the book of revelation is is it's a mishmash of pretty crazy prophecies that that for the most part most nobody took seriously although what was in there would sometimes kind of uh pop back up in in uh millenarian thinking and and you'd see this elsewhere but it was really in the 60s in the united states that a the whole set of christian evangelical specifically televangelists uh, um Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, you know, all of the big ones had some sort of sense that they were, that, that we were in this moment of prophecy. Now, in the book of Revelation, there's a, something has to happen before Jesus comes back, which is the, uh, the state of Israel needs to exist because there needs to be a lot of Jews there. The, the Israelis need to be there again, and they need to be on, um, you know, the, the Mount Zion. Uh, where their temple is. Um, that's incidentally, you know, that's that's where the uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque is as well. The, the Temple Mount. It's this one place where all of these all of these religions have have had as a sacred place. But in order for this literal reading of of uh, the end times to come, whether or not you believe Jesus is going to become coming uh, before the rapture or, ap- or afterwards, still this precondition needs to be met. Uh, which is the state of Israel needs to exist and there needs to be a temple there. 
And within the United States, people really got caught up into this, especially after the founding of the state of Israel, seeing this as, hey, Jesus is coming really soon because this one condition was still, you know, or that had not been met is finally met. This is, I really want to go on a slight tangent. Like in, in Germany, um, there, there was the idea of the catacomb. Uh, Carl Schmidt, who was, you know, with, working with Hitler uh, as a jurist, he had this idea that uh, you had to find the catacomb, which is this thing that is holding back the return of Christ. Um, and for him, he thought it was the Jews and the final solution would, would get rid of the catacombs so Christ could come back. But you, you see these ideas like, like circulate over and over again. But in the United States, it's extremely strong. Even if you did not grow up thinking too much about these things, even if you were just a, kind of a regular churchgoer, if you were an evangelical, which is the, the, the largest den denominations in the United States are evangelical uh, churches. It's not like the Anglicans. It's not like the Catholics. Um, it's not even like the Methodists, they're very watered down. Um, but Baptists, especially Southern Baptists, those groups all have the sense that this is really important, that Israel exists. And whatever we do, we must absolutely be supporting the existence of Israel because Christ cannot come back unless this happens. Um, and so all, all kinds of things have, have played out politically from that. Um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, his, his last name is uh, Maggi, I think, or... or uh, I'll remember his name. Really, Heiji. Uh, Heiji. 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 Absolutely. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so he and he has been running this 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 uh, this foundation that supported several really extreme right Zionist groups within Israel, um, and also have have been pushing to help them take over land in the in the West Bank. Uh, in, and specifically in the Golan Heights, because they're, they're trying to get Jerusalem back as this place again. You know, you need to have Jerusalem whole, and then you need to have the second temple. Um, and so, so they're, they're pushing, the, like attempting to accelerate the, 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 the second coming of Christ. So you have all of this Christian fundamentalist money, Christian evangelical money going into Israel that is supporting the very far right in Israel who, you know, their, their push is immediately, all of this land is ours, all of this land is ours. And of course, uh, Netanyahu is always playing to that group because right now they're the ones who are the most powerful and they're the ones who are always backing. So the reason we all have to sit here and watch harrowing fucking gore and children being blown up every day uh, with our tax money paying for those bombs is not the reason and the moral blackmail that is presented to us here in Europe all the time that because of the Holocaust, because of pogroms, because of all this, Jews deserve and need their own country uh, and it's anti-Semitism to um, make any fundamental criticism of that belief. That's not the reason that's happening. It wouldn't uh, be stood for, it wouldn't be paid for, for those moral reasons. The reason why we're all in this situation and the reason why they're in that situation in Gaza and the West Bank is because of this extraordinary theology, this extraordinary resource of belief in the United States and the extraordinary financial power it has over American politics. And we covered this with Samuel Moyne. The liberals are far from innocent here. It's perfectly possible that um, somebody in America might have said, wait a second, I don't want to have uh, indiscriminate 
um, pouring of money and weapons into this slither of a country in the Middle East just because some nut job believes that this is how to bring about the second coming of Christ. Someone might have objected to that if the liberals had done their job and made their criticisms of Zionism uh, back in the immediate post-war decades. But as we covered with Samuel Moyne, they didn't do that. This was the one area in which they were willing to be utopians as well. They didn't believe in other post-colonial struggles. They didn't believe in socialism. They believed, however, in the state of Israel. So you've got a, a cross-spectrum bipartisan agreement on uh, the, the, the validity and the sustainableness of this extraordinary experiment in the Middle East, in America, uh, and um, no one can do anything about it. And, and when you realize that at the core of it is trying to make Jesus come back, it's an, it's an anti-Semitic <laughs> discourse uh, at the heart of it. You, you, you just, your head explodes, really. It, it's, uh, uh, no offense. If, <laughs> if, if, I can, if I can add something to that, though, because, you know, the, it, it's often as if both sides are playing each other. You know, mm -hmm. because, uh, of course, the, the, the more expansionist, hardcore Zionists in Israel don't believe that Jesus is going to come back. Although no, they no. do believe that, that the, the rebuilding of the third temple will usher in their Messiah. Um, but, of course, their Messiah is not Jesus. They don't, you know, the, the, the book of Revelations means nothing to them. It, it's, in both, uh, it's used both in Islam and in Christianity, but not in Judaism. But they're playing each other. You know, the, the, I, they both think that the other side is, is pretty crazy. Um, and they're certain that they, they know the, the, the true prophecy that's going to be happening. But I, do you know about the red heifers? Did, did I mention that last time? Or have you seen any of the articles? <laughs> I, about I, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with the red heifers. I'm gonna be, yeah. Uh, I have uh, the perfect combination of, of uh, having been uh, sort of raised on sort of Leon Earth and also... Um, you know, growing up in a rural area, I think that if you want to get into red heifer, I think it's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna tee it up for our, for our listeners who may not be f familiar. There there are a number of signs that are that will portend the 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 coming of the Messiah, uh, whatever that Messiah may be. And um, the red heifer, uh, which is a it's a cow, uh, that's a female cow. If you're if you yeah you're from Ohio, so I I think you know what I'm talking about. Is that uh, um, you know, it's a female cow that would come and it would be red. Uh, but I think there's something deeper and more interesting to that because I think that uh, people will find that symbol in a lot of places. So I'd like to hear your, your take on that. Yeah, so so the specific uh, importance of the red heifer within Judaism, and again, this is one version of it. it you know, Judaism is as as diverse as any other, like Christianity or Islam, you know? like, But, but the... the there's this group called the Temple Institute who have been trying to get a perfectly red heifer. There's a, there's a few things that are um, requirements in it, but one of it is that it cannot have a single non-red hair on it. Um, another one is it can never have done any work in its life. But the reason why they need this is, is in order to perform, to perform um, sacrifices in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, you need to have been able to purify yourself of all um, all contact with the dead, and this is this is just a really common thing that you see in in religions everywhere, especially in animist religions. And this is part of the old animism before uh, b before Judaism actually became monotheist, because before they were polytheist. Um, but you you see you you need to have this heifer, you need to burn it, 
and then you need to use those ashes to cleanse yourself. If you have not been cleansed with the ashes of this red heifer, then you cannot perform sacrifices, meaning there's no sense to even rebuild the temple because no one can do any sacrifices in it. So there's, <laughs> there's been this, 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 this wild group in Israel, but also uh, partially, again, funded by, by Christian evangelicals. And, and fun story, the church that I grew up in raised money to help do the funding to try to find this red heifer. Like that was, you know, this, this is just a common thing that, that, that people had um, that, that people knew about. Like, oh, okay, like we need to have a red heifer so it can go to Israel. Why? Oh, so they can kill it, so that we can have the new temple and so we can have a big war. Um, but there, there were recently, I think, three new red heifers that were sent to Israel um, that apparently are perfect. Um, that, uh, so now you can actually start the, the sacrifices and get into the temple. So you need to have the temple. You can rebuild the temple, and once you do that, you've got the red heifer. You can use those ashes, start the animal sacrifices again, uh, you know, recontinue the old sacrificial pattern of um, one version, again, of Judaism. Uh, the problem is there's a mosque where the temple needs to be. And that mosque is the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is why the, um, uh, you know, the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade, you always hear that name like being used uh, in any movement from, from the Palestinians and even outside of Palestine. They're doing stuff in the name of Al-Aqsa. It's just like, because yeah, our mosque is there and they want to build a temple there. And the only way to get that temple is to destroy it. So, yeah. What, what about Mike Johnson? Because he, he's the latest in, ingredient in this. If, if anyone was listening to all this balmy stuff and thinking, okay, some not jobs believe in this, but it's, it's kind of dying out. Well, uh, not the case, because um, we recorded a show immediately before um, October 7th, uh, when this was the big story, and it's kind of got a, a little bit forgotten because of geopolitical events. But um, the, the the last um, show David and I did head to head was all about the um, MAGA uprising in Congress, overturning the speakership uh, and getting rid of Kevin McCarthy. Uh, and then there was this sort of stalemate about who was going to be the um, the replacement. And this seems like a sort of classic, like parable, really for the whole MAGA movement, you think you're going to take on the military industrial complex uh, and withdraw the US Imperium into splendid isolationism. You think it's going to be America first. And instead, what you get is some mad Jesus guy because there's no one else to to do the job. Um, tell us about um, the the new uh, leader of the House of Representatives. Uh, you're asking me or David? I, I mean, I, I can tell you, whichever I'm a little frustrated because in. I had this great article from Haaretz on Mike Johnson, but it, it it's behind a paywall. I opened it and then I closed it and now it won't let me log back in there. Um, but Mike Johnson is completely part of this, this belief system. Like he is absolutely within this idea. And he's specifically said he's, he's visit, there's an article in Mother Jones, um, and I've lost the quote that I highlighted on it, but uh, you know, you could find it really quickly uh, for anybody. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just tell you the title because it's, it's, it'll tell you kind of everything. During a trip to Israel, Mike Johnson connected with far-right extremists. And that's, that's putting it really simply, but you know, he's, uh, he visited the, the, the Temple Mount, um, which is a, you're not supposed to do that even as a, um, you're just not supposed to do that if you're not Jewish or if you're not is, is uh, Muslim. 
Um, you know, he's been in there. He's he's quite connected to it. He he made statements almost immediately that were like, yeah, this is a uh, Israel is sacred. Israel is important. We need to have or like we will always be supporting Israel. And he did kind of the the, the same sort of the Christian dog whistles that George W. Bush used to do, where George yeah. W. Bush was not a believer to any degree whatsoever. But, you know, his aides always told him, okay, you know, you put this in here, you put in this, this in here. I mean, that wasn't even his real accent, you know, but, but he knew how to speak to, 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 to let these people know that, hey, I'm really talking to you or to make them think I'm really talking to you. Except That's a fascinating is, comparison. Mike with Johnson Trump really believes us. Yeah, I was just going to say that the W, okay, it, people were telling him what to say or whatever, but he, he would speak the language and sort of signal to the evangelicals that he was one of them. Trump's never done that. But, I mean, this is where he's, he's perfectly right when he says that he, he's the one who makes deals. He, get, he, he made them an offer, and he made it clear to these evangelicals that they were going to get what they wanted out of him as far as abortion was concerned and as far as moving the embassy to Jerusalem was concerned. So with, with the, no one thinks that Trump, you know, any more than, um, the, the, much less than Bush even, no one imagines that Trump has a, a Christian bone in his body, but it, it, it's all it, it's all deals, right? It's all it's all the, this sort of uh, heifer trading. Um, for these <laughs> yeah, and, and and so so for the the Tel Aviv um, embassy thing, uh, just just to make sure that everybody listening is aware, um, Trump had I, it was really the only only big decision that that was kind of surprising it's like why are why are you doing this 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 mm -hmm. is not fitting in with your america first isolationism why on earth would you do this this is a fucking mess um which is that he moved the the embassy from tel aviv to jerusalem this is the u.s embassy now um jerusalem is not recognized as the capital of israel in all places i think that like some countries think it's the capital others you know insist that it's tel aviv the united states by having its embassy in tel aviv this entire time was making a de facto statement that technically tel aviv is the capital because in all other places they put their primary embassy within the capital it's in paris and france you know for example um but then he decided to move it and everyone was like wait why 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 are you doing this this is this isn't this is crazy you know what you're going to do you know what this is going to cause um and and even when he had done that I, there was an article in Haaretz i believe about how a, a lot of israeli jews were like no don't don't do that you mm -hmm. know especially if they were like anywhere you know, anything like a, like a heart at all. They're like, no, 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 no. Don't do this because you are letting the far right within Israel win. That's what you've just done. And he did it. And then later on he said, oh yeah, no, I, I did this. I, for the evangelicals. That's the only reason why I did it. I just wanted to give them something. So there they go. Um, just, you know, this little political game that he was playing and, and now, you know, he completely, I mean, it was already destabilizing, but he just gave, the the most vicious parts of the the settler right wing in Israel exactly what they wanted and they tasted blood and they're like okay let's go yeah you know and I, I, I think I think you 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I, I was going to just uh, wholeheartedly agree and say one of the things that's been really interesting about this entire war is the fact that there's been so many spokespeople. And it really, for an American, it shows you the, the fact that it's a coalition government for the first time in this way, because you have people from different parties at different positions, you know, speaking more wholeheartedly and basically like saying genocide from the chest in ways that you wouldn't have under a presidential system. And, or even under the English system where you have, you know, you're sort of rewarding your local party cronies. So you have, you know, that, that the way that you're, you're putting people in sort of the home secretary position and, you know, the, the minister of culture, for example, essentially calling for genocide, you wouldn't see that in, in, in sort of any of the other Western systems normally. Yeah. And now we're really seeing it and you're seeing the, the, the real contrast between the actual people in the governing coalition. And, I, and that's all I just wanted to say, like how taken aback that is, I have been about that. Um, I've I got to drop this uh, Mike Johnson clip that has emerged. This is him speaking to uh, an evangelical audience. And I, I think this kind of gets to the heart of what uh, kind of culture we're talking about um, at, at the very top of U.S. politics. And then it sends a report to your accountability partner. So my accountability partner right now is Jack, my son, right? And so he's 17. So he and I get a report of all the things that are on our phones or all of our devices once a week. If anything objectionable comes up, your accountability partner gets an immediate notice. I'm proud to tell you my son has, he's got a clean slate, all right? Yeah. But, but we, get, we get a report and it says, hey, no, no uh, activity of concern. And it's really, really sensitive. It'll pick up almost anything. It looks for keywords, search terms, and also images. And it will send your accountability partner a blurred uh, picture of the image. And so on occasion, I get one. I was just looking at the one from this week. I got on, on Jack and it said, this, this is the only one that may be questionable. And it's this blurred Im image of two, two women talking in a live screen thing. And I zoom in and I have to unblur it. And it's in this two middle-aged teachers. <laughs> uh, this is where we'll drop a the... A middle-aged woman who wants that, right? Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is where we drop the ad for the Covenant app, which uh, David and I have been using, and it sends reports <laughs> to each other uh, saying what we've been looking at online in case yeah. there's anything of concern. No, no, but 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 just for the, the listeners' uh, edification is that uh, James has it set up so that whenever I look at meat recipes as a vegetarian, he gets yeah, he gets yeah, a blurred I, image of a pot roast. Of me. I just want to know. I just want to know. Um, yeah, so this is great. Okay, this is what the internet was made for. Uh, the, the the new speaker of the House of Representatives gets an alert on his phone if his son, 17-year-old son, looks at porn. And the son gets the same. It's a good kind of uh, mutual kind of trust relationship. I, just, I, this, is, this is not weird. If this sounds, I mean, it okay, sounds weird that us. I'm saying that this is not yeah. weird. But, you know, again, like I, I grew up in this, this, you know, mm -hmm. I was pretty okay. extremely Christian until about 18. And then I decided to get gay or whatever. And I tried to keep being a Christian for another two years and I got kicked out of a Christian college. So I have no degree. Um, so, but no, the, the, the accountability partner stuff and I mean, do you know what a purity ring is? 
I mean, yeah, it's a really this, cool band this out of did Canada, make but... it over to the UK as like yeah. okay. a running joke I mean, of the bushes. Yeah, it's yeah. a ring thing. I remember like that was a big big thing. I, I, I yeah, you, you know, yeah. Your father <laughs> gives the uh, the father gives the daughter a ring, you know, and then she promises that she will save herself for marriage. Um, but but the accountability stuff too, like that was that was really common. Like you know, men meet in groups and they talk about like what they accidentally saw on television before the internet. You know, like, and like, oh, I passed by a magazine um, in, in a 7-Eleven and, and there was, it looked like maybe there was a naked woman and I, I had a dirty thought. Um, yeah, so when I say that's like, it's not strange, I mean, of course, it's, it's, it's strange objectively, but I, I need to make clear that there are millions and millions of people for whom this kind of thing is not strange. I, I, like, let's talk about Trump for just one second here, because this is something that took me a long time to actually understand. Like I, I know all of these, you know, and I still have friends who are, are very devoutly Baptist, Christian, et cetera. And I was like, how, can, how could you like Trump after he said, grab them by the pussy? And they're like, what's so weird about that? And I'm like, wait, really? Really, what do you, you know? And of course, like I, I was in the pussy hat march in Washington, DC with my sister and I was, <laughs> I was wearing a pussy hat, okay? Um, that was me. Um, you know, so this is, and, um, and they're like, what, haven't you ever heard the expression grab them by the balls? And I was like, oh, yeah. And then it's like, well, that's all you're saying. I was like, so they oh. heard what they wanted to hear. That's the best. That, I, I, that's even that's better the than best. That's the talk. best. Because yeah. I really, and, and, yeah, it's amazing. That's, that's exactly what they heard. And, and it was such a brilliant release of a statement because, because really, when, when those, all of those Christians who are devout and would never actually want anyone to grab anybody by a pussy, right? When they heard that, they were able to make that, that metaphorical leap there. Like that, for them, that was like a literary moment. You know? And then they watch all of these liberals lose their minds over it. And they're like, yeah, those people are overreacting. Look, they're crazy. Like they, they heard him say that and actually. they thought it was sexual. It's beautifully so, feminist, actually, if, if you frame it that way. And, and, and so, you know, and that is relevant, I think, to what, um, what Mike Johnson was just saying, because there are all of these people who hear this are like, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. You have an app for that? No, we already do that in our family at home. You know, like, like for them, they're like, oh, I didn't realize there's a smartphone thing. But, you know, everybody else on the outside who's part of this different I mean, I've, I've got that set up with my dad, but it's more so we could like trade stuff like, dad, did you see this one? <laughs> my my, my uh, husband it, it and I is like open to abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His app is what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that Trump grabbing by the pussy thing, it struck me that that's another example of like Marga not quite delivering on what, what you think you're going to get. You think you're going to get based Caesarism and to undo the deep state. And what you actually get is you know, uh, uh, this stuff about cows and stuff. Um, you think you're going to get to grab, start grabbing them by the pussy, but actually you can't even jerk off without your son coming in on your phone and saying, Daddy, what are you doing? Like it, every part of this project is this profound disappointment, this raising of libidinal expectations and then crushing them uh, under this, uh, this church shit. I don't have anything to add to that. No, right no, I, I think it's, it's it's amazing. I, you know, I think uh, what's interesting about that is that I, I like I think um, one of the things that uh, you know the attraction to re religiosity it really differs from person to person. But for a lot of people, it's about power. 
it's about seeing, you know, sort of a reflection of someone who's sure of their stance in life. And in that way, I see the, the Trump phenomenon being something that makes sense to me, because if you're looking for some guiding light and you're looking for surety and you're looking for, you know, confidence, and that's what a lot of people find through their churches, I see that being like not that controversial, actually. And yet you don't even have to go through the word game. She's just say, you know, like God has imperfect vessels. You know, if you go back to the Bible, there's lots of people who are imperfect in the Bible. And you can say, okay, you know, like, you know, God wasn't, you know, you know, he's not reflecting it everywhere in his life. But, you know, even even Jesus was a sinner. He had to be, you know, he had to die for our sins as well. So I think that there is some opportunity for, uh, you know, not to make those people look too silly. But I think that there is an opportunity for that, even within a, a, a and I say this with tongue in cheek, but logically coherent biblical mindset. If I can plug a section of my book real briefly. Um, yeah, do it. Just so I write about this, uh, this problem um, of, of, of how, you know, Christians seem to be taking things one way and the rest of us are kind of oblivious to it, like almost to the point where we, we, we can't even understand how they're seeing it. And so we just dismiss it like, oh, well, it's just crazy people except we're talking about millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of crazy people. Like you can't just dismiss them like that. But, uh, this, this was back in, uh, it, it was, it was after NAFTA. I think it was about uh, 2003 or something. I went back to visit my dad in Appalachia. I had been living in Seattle for, uh, about two years and I was, you know, hardcore anarchist, queer, radical. Like, yeah, I was, I was totally on the, on the edge of the revolution. And, uh, you know, I stayed with my dad for a couple of months and we were driving one time when we passed a billboard and uh, it, it was kind of not a very attractive one. It was just hand painted, but very poorly uh, with a picture of Jesus floating in the clouds and his hands are out. And it says, come, uh, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And I'm like, that's a really weird bulletin board or not bulletin board, but uh, um, what do you call it? Billboard. I'm sorry. Uh, I've been out of America too long. Um, and, and my dad is like, oh, yeah, that's an anti-union one. I'm like, what? what? Mm. Really? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They put those, they put those up the last few years. And, uh, and his shop steward had actually explained it because the union was quite aware of what was going on. It was the, the factory workers who were putting up all of these, these billboards with uh, that quote. And it's just like, hey, you don't, you don't need a labor union. You need Jesus. And, of course, I had completely missed that. But for everybody who was in that atmosphere, that atmosphere, that worldview, they immediately caught what was being said. They were, they were being told, no, no, Christianity and unions don't mix together. What you need is Christ. You do not you need a labor union. Yeah, your, your factory just got closed because of NAFTA, but you know what you need? You need Jesus. Um, if the left is completely, or whatever we're going to call the left, if, you know, I mean, as far as I was concerned, there was no such thing as a left until... Um, these protests now there's a left again um yeah. but you know if, if they cannot see or at least attempt to um engage with this way of thinking then they're going to completely be unable to to explain their case to people and then they're going to be constantly in awe when they hear things about the red heifer or um you know the app that sends like pictures to your dad about what you were looking at you know it's gonna it seems so strange but again like for lots of people, this is not strange, and we have to at least have some, some, some effort to try to understand what's going on. 
Um, because you can't change it if you don't even know what they're thinking and, and why they're thinking those things. Here, here. No, anyway, you're so that, right. that's just the plug of my book. Sorry. Mm -hmm. No, no absolutely. Uh, here Be Monsters is the name of the book. Um, another twist in, in this kind of right-wing reaction to the uh, Gaza crisis is, um, is Candace Owens, who, who i got to say is not the only black woman right-wing influencer who seems to have sort of had a crisis of conscience or hasn't been able to stomach faking it um, as far as this is concerned. That's my speculation that, you know, it's perfectly understandable. A whole bunch of intelligent black women who weren't particularly down with the reigning uh, trends of the left saw with the rise of Trump uh, that there was an opportunity here that you were definitely going to be extremely successful if you were the black woman who said that she hates BLM and she loves Trump, etc., etc. But um, whether Candace is detecting a kind of schism on the millennial and Gen Z right uh, uh, away from Israel, or whether she just can't hack uh, uh, pretending to support the devastation that's going on in Gaza I don't know but she is among those on the right that small handful of people on the right who have sort of applied consistently the um, isolationist stance that they've taken to other recent conflicts to this one uh, she got into an online debate with Army Kozak who is a small time um, a conservative Jewish comedian uh, which rewarded watching here's a little clip here and I think that what you're seeing on college campus now is the culmination of the manifested ideas of the far left idea of oppressor and oppressed and putting Israel into that lens that Israel is the white settler colonialist power that is the oppressor and the Palestinians are the uh, necessarily the victim and therefore anything that they do is virtuous. It's fully consistent with these with these discussing ideas that have been leveled at what you're talking about. So I don't think there I think there's an allyship there about talking about judging people not, uh, not based on uh immutable characteristics, but as individuals. And I think these ideas are all coming from stemming from the same place. The anti-Semitism of the left is the same hatred towards the West, towards the United States, towards the idea of who we who we put into the oppressor class justifies not just uh, Hamas atrocities towards Israelis, but the bourgeoisie against the proletariat, uh, the proletariat against the bourgeoisie, excuse me. It, it justifies all these far left atrocities and that's what it's coming from. So I wanna make, take, take a stand against all of that. I'm, I'm actually explaining yeah. something because you went on the attack on me, which we're gonna get to your tweet, basically saying that I haven't said enough on behalf of Jews. Well, I'm not Jewish, okay? So why is it okay that you haven't been using your platform to speak out against white people for the last four years and they've had to endure a bunch of, of stuff on college campuses? Well, I didn't yeah. then go around and find Jewish people who weren't saying enough and say, well, obviously this is what you must think because you haven't used your platform to say this, you haven't said the right words. That's giving you ownership to my voice. So uh, Candace's interlocutor there is making the standard right-wing Jewish argument that we've been seeing for a while here. In, in the UK, David Baddiel, the sort of liberal hero, is the, is, is the chief exponent of this view, which could be summarized as, wokeness is bullshit, but where's mine? There's a whole kind of subgenre <laughs> of, uh, of, of conservative anti-anti-Semitism that, that argues this. And it, it, I, I've never seen anyone on the left quite skewer it as well as Candace does in the, in the full debate where she basically says, you're sounding like a leftist here. In a sense, it, it takes a conservative commentator to really point this out. You, you're sounding like a leftist. We're supposed to hate leftists. On the other hand, it, it's remarkable to me to hear 
um, an argument which I really associate with Jordan Peterson. I don't know if it if it's found elsewhere on the right. This idea that the postmodern neo-Marxism has replaced class, class conflict with a kind of moralized conflict between oppressor and oppressed, and we find that in all these other areas of culture, and that's how wokeness uh, descends from Marxism. Of course, commentators like Reed and us and others would say that actually wokeness is a, a sort of departure from Marxism or a way of avoiding the insights of, of, of Marxism and a class-based politics, but the, the Jordan Peterson kind of area of the culture wars right has uh, always maintained the the opposite that this is sort of Marxism by the back door. It's it's so interesting to me to see this you know intellectual non-entity of a comedian um, kind of taking that argument from Peterson world and applying it here and saying well this applies to anti-semitism as well israel is just being treated as the oppressor the jews are being treated as the oppressor uh, and uh, um uh, arabs gazans palestinians are necessarily the uh, oppressed so i don't know it, it, it's amazing how as much as we've been covering how this conflict uh, has uh enacted certain man uh, certain kind of transformations on the left we're seeing the right have to kind of reshake the snow shaker of its arguments and uh, and uh, people are kind of landing in slightly different positions from what we'd expect this is what we call in our internal um podcast chat this is uh what happens when this is what zero material analysis does to an mfr that's what we call yeah. it and that and, and <laughs> I, I i cannot tell you how many times james will send me a, a tweet or i will send him a tweet and it's this is what zero material analysis does to an mf -er, and that's it so i'm going to let you speak but i just i thought that we'd give everyone a little insight into how <laughs> how the magic is made <laughs> i i i mean on the, the everything getting shaken up on the left i've definitely watched this happening on the right it's been very surprising to see uh, certain journals uh that i've written for and i'm writing for and and maybe others have as well like take a take an incredibly oddly contradictory position, you know, as opposed to the rest of their politics with this issue. But that's exactly what, what kind of Candace is, is bringing out there. I mean, you know, for anybody who got to see the video of that clip, like she really looked like she was about to like rip his neck <laughs> off with her teeth. It was so beautiful. Um, you know, but, but, but we've heard this kind of argument for a long time. Like I, again, there is a, there is a very good argument to be made that the current, um, cancellation, uh, that sort of set up, uh, canceling people for whatever they're saying, um, crusading against them, like, no, you cannot say these things. This is X-ism, you know, um, if you take, if you take racism or, you know, transphobia or anything else like that, you know, it, and if you follow, just, just, just parse out the sentence and then you switch to what's happening right now, like they've just you know, the, it follows the same formula. Like this is anti-Semitic for you not to have done this. You are doing, you know, it, it's the same argument the, the entire way through that, you know, yeah. both the left is using in some places. I mean, the German left is, 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 is kind of caught yeah. up in this right now, but, but you're seeing this on the American right as well, where they're, you know, they're, they're, they're suddenly, I think they're noticing the contradictions and they're not sure what to do. And they're just kind of hoping that the next election happens. And then, you know, and then maybe we can all sort that out. But I think also the left is in the exact same position where they're like, ooh, normally, normally we would never, uh, you know, support somebody that has reactionary views about women and trans people and gay people. 
but we're supporting them. What's going on? Well, let's keep supporting them. And then maybe we'll talk about what's going on later, you know? So who knows pretty soon, maybe there'll be a great reckoning on both sides and, and we'll find parts of the left are suddenly on the right and parts of the right are suddenly on the left. And then we'll have like completely new game going on. And that's kind well, of exciting. We've been working hard to bring about that reckoning. We're just waiting for the right livestock creature to be born and uh, <laughs> then we'll be we'll be there uh, until then here the monsters how to fight capitalism instead of each other is published by repeater books we are patreon.com forward slash the popular pod if you want to support our agricultural breeding program uh it's been a delight speaking to reed wildermuth and david i'm going to see you very soon absolutely talk to you soon great thanks for having me here